Hello, fellow communicators, and welcome back to Stories Lived, Stories Told. As always, I'm Abby, your host and conversation partner today. Because after all, this is not just a podcast, but also a conversation. And with the help of the CMM Institute, we are using this podcast as a space to have this ongoing conversation about how we communicate and how we can be better. Because when we communicate better, our relationships get better. Our mental health gets better, our society gets better, our work gets better, our lives get better. We do this by using the Communication Theory Coordinated Management of Meaning, or CMM for short, and bringing the tools, language, and knowledge that this theory offers into our everyday lives so we can actually put it to use, with the goal of creating better social worlds for ourselves. So with that, let's begin. How do we make meaning? That's our question of the day. And it's a really important question for us to be asking because it's easy to take meaning for granted. And when I say meaning, I'm talking about literally what do things mean to us? It's about how we make sense of the world around us through the meaning we make. So an example of that would be like, if I failed at something, got a bad grade, messed up something at work, I might attach meaning to that where I believe that what that means is that I am stupid or that other people think less of me, that because I have failed, it means I'm bad in some way. And I actually think that is a really common one, especially for people in my generation to be really afraid of failure and, you know, not be able to see it as a tool for growth or even something that's just a part of life. And on top of that, because it's such a common one, it's not just personal. You know, it's not just like I attach this meaning to this thing, but also kind of collectively we attach this meaning to this thing. And I think especially then, especially when it's a really widely held belief about what something means, it becomes that much easier to forget that meaning is not innate. It's easy to forget that we are the ones who attach meaning, that it's just something we decided, and it could be true and it could not be true. I think this is how we take meaning for granted. You know, think back to our conversation last week and all the nonverbal cues you can use that communicate your listening. Well, why does nodding encourage people to keep sharing? You know, why does leaning in mean that you're engaged? And even beyond that, beyond just the listening, all those other nonverbals we have, why does shaking your head mean no? Why does waving mean hello? Because we said it did. Because we attached meaning to these acts, none of which inherently mean those things, we attach the meaning. We make it, we whip it right up out of thin air. Let's use an example. Let's say your partner, uh, spouse, significant other, whoever, forgets your anniversary. I think the general consensus is that that is bad and probably not ideal, but let's just explore this for a second. Your partner forgets your anniversary. You might decide that that means they don't pay attention. They don't care enough to remember that you're not a priority and that they don't love you. And in some ways, it makes sense that the act of forgetting something important 
could mean all those things or be a result of all those things. And in some instances, that could be the true meaning. But your partner forgets your anniversary could also mean they've been really busy at work and that's been stressing them out and taking up a lot of their mental space. Maybe someone close to them is sick and they're spending a lot of time taking care of that person or worrying about them. Maybe they're experiencing some mental health challenges that is making it harder to do a lot of things. Maybe it's not even that big and the fact that they forgot just means that they forgot. Here's what I want for us today. Today, we are getting a new pair of glasses. When we talk about meaning, you know, it's less like some of our other conversations where we're talking specific skills and tools that you can actually put to use in your communication. And I think this is a skill in a way, but it's more internal. It happens within yourself, you know, starting to change how you're thinking about meaning, how you approach things in your life, the lens that you choose to see everything through. So you can think about it like you've been seeing things one way in your life and you put on glasses and you start seeing things differently. And the things you're seeing are the same things as before, but they look different to you because of the lens you're using to see them to help us slowly start to change that lens because it's a slow process. And to start, be aware of the way that we make meaning. I'm going to keep returning to that example I just used today. That way we can practice what it looks like to recognize the meaning we're making, start to consider other meanings, and then actually make a choice about what meaning will lead us to that better social world for ourselves. And here's a reminder too. Sometimes the meaning you are attaching to something is true or right for you. You don't have to deny it. But still the process, this practice of zooming out on yourself and the situation and considering other perspectives, I think it can only enrich your understanding and your relationships and your communication. I think that this is part of a bigger conversation where we're considering that even though it is really easy to blame other people or other things for our problems or struggles or dissatisfaction, that generally we can't always change those things, change the people we're with, change our circumstances. But what we can change is us and the way that we think about things and the lens we use to see everything. And it's really hard. (laughs) It, It really is. Because it's a huge shift to start reframing things and shift the attention to yourself and really put yourself under the microscope, you know, it's part of it is going from asking yourself, why would that person do that to why am I reacting the way I am? And to start putting, well, not the blame, I don't want to say blame, but the responsibility on yourself. So today we're just going to explore this idea that we're the ones that attach meaning to things and that we can change how we attach meaning to things. And this, like everything we talk about, is one part of what it looks like to work towards a better social world. 
for yourself and really for all the other people in your life. Speaking from experience, it's one of those things where you really have to set aside your pride and ego and kind of humble yourself and recognize the way that those things have been keeping you from your better social world. So if we're using this glasses metaphor, which I really like, I think it fits here. If we're talking about how we frame things, another part of the glasses metaphor, think of it like this, okay? You see with your eyes. The things you see with your eyes are the facts. It's what is objectively true. In our example from earlier, this would be the fact that your significant other forgot your anniversary. But you're also wearing glasses, and what you see through your glasses is the meaning you attach to that fact. In our example, what you see through your glasses is a partner who doesn't care or prioritize you in your relationship. But you can put on a different pair of glasses. You can get different frames to change how you are framing the situation. In our example, you can choose to see the meaning as your partner just feeling overwhelmed or just having other things they have to pay attention to or just that they forgot and choose to not let it mean anything about, you know, their love for you. You can picture hundreds of different styles of glasses, right? Let's think you got little wire ones, big colorful ones, thick black ones, circle ones, cat eye, square, sunglasses, pink glasses, brown glasses, blue glasses, whatever, you know, just kind of picture yourself at the eye doctor looking at a wall of different glasses and you can try on all of them to see what fits. So there are endless possibilities for the meaning you attach to what you see with your eyes. So let this be kind of a visual for what we're trying to do here. And the glasses that help you see will be different than the glasses that help me see. But we all get to try on all of them and see what works for us. So don't forget that you have that option. You're not stuck wearing the same pair of glasses forever. We can think about this in terms of the coordinated management of meaning theory. And my favorite model the theory uses, which is the loop model, and if you aren't familiar with the theory or the model, I would encourage you to check out my first episode and then our other episode on the loop model, um, those earlier episodes to help get a better idea of what our foundation is. So just think of the name of the podcast, you know, Stories Lived, Stories Told. It's a reference to the two ends of the loop model. And like I said, with the glasses, the facts, the part that we see with your eyes, that's the stories lived. But we put on our glasses for the stories told. You know, when we tell our stories, that's when we start attaching all kinds of meaning to it, whether we're, you know, telling ourselves the story or actually sharing it with others. And this is okay. You know, like I said, we're all wearing different glasses. So the way we tell the story will be layered with meaning and that will look different for you and for me, even if we had the same lived story. Here's an example. Let's say that my brother and I are visiting my parents. As we leave, my dad says, you know, be safe. Remember, you know, there's construction on this road or, hey, since it's raining, you should avoid these roads or drive slow or any number of other kinds of advice, you know, about us getting home safely. The story my brother might tell about that is, you know, wow, to me, that means my dad cares for my well-being and wants to help me and loves me so much and have a positive meaning attached to that. But my story might be that my dad's comments mean, oh, he doesn't trust me and 
He doesn't think I can make those decisions for myself. Same lived story, but two totally different told stories. If the meaning we're thinking about is around another person's actions, then one choice that we can make that I think can save us a lot of trouble is to bring the other person whose actions you're putting meaning on, you know, bring them into the conversation and ask them what it means. It almost sounds too obvious, right? You know, you can exhaust yourself, though. You really can exhaust yourself going down an endless path of what-ifs and different meanings that someone's actions can have, but you can also just ask, (laughs) you know, like with our first example, you can bring it up to your partner and say something like, hey, so you forgot our anniversary, and that makes me feel like you don't care about me or celebrating this milestone in our relationship. Is that true? Can you help me understand why you forgot? And the partner could say, wow, I'm so sorry for forgetting. I've been consumed by my work lately, and it totally slipped my mind, and I do care about you and celebrating our relationship. The fact that I forgot doesn't mean that I don't love you or prioritize this relationship, just that I had other things taking my attention. And that would be a really ideal situation, but again, it's something we can always be working towards. It's not totally unattainable, that kind of conversation. And here's the other thing, is that regardless of what the other person says, you do still get to attach your own meaning to it. You know, I I think it brings a peace of mind to put it all out in the open and ask what was behind it for your partner. But if you do feel hurt by the fact that they forgot, then let's say you respond again and would say something like, thank you for sharing that. You know, that helps me to understand why you forgot and that makes sense to me. You know, I've also had times when my work really overwhelmed me and I wasn't able to think of anything else. But I just need you to know that remembering this is important to me. When you remember things, it shows me that you care and that you love me in that way, and that is what those things mean to me, and I'm letting you know that for the future. So bringing that meaning out into the light and naming it and saying out loud, it's a really empowering thing. It's a scary thing, but it's an empowering thing. You know, I think if you can get over that fear of, you know, not knowing what it looks like to say those things out loud, if you can get past that and actually say it out loud, I think you'll feel empowered because that's what my own experience has been. And I think these things, these meanings we attach have the ability to have a lot of power over us if we let it. And so that is how we move away from being controlled by those things. Even though I said we can choose what meaning we make, which we can, the truth is we don't actually always have the ability to choose at first, right? We grow up and are taught things explicitly or implicitly that stick with us and, you know, affect the way that we understand meaning in our lives, like the failure thing, you know? Maybe you saw the way your parents handled their own failures. Maybe you saw shame and guilt and doubt in that. Maybe you saw the way you were celebrated when you succeeded, so you learned to avoid failure at all costs to chase that praise. Maybe you saw how people in your community acted when others failed, you know? 
Maybe they're not forgiving, not understanding. It makes a lot of sense that that child would grow into a person who attached a lot of negative meaning to failure. So this is one of those places to be really gentle with yourself. You didn't ask to internalize all those things, but you do get to make different choices for yourself and create new meanings that actually work for you, you know? And it's not an easy process, so you got to be gentle with yourself through the whole thing. It's a lot of deconstruction and reconstruction and reflection and asking deeper questions of yourself. But this is what the CMM theory is all about. And it is the process itself that helps us move toward a better social world. If we think about the CMM theory, then we've kind of covered everything, you know, from the making of meaning to the management of meaning, even the coordination of meaning, you know, it's right in the title there. You know, we make the meaning when we put on our glasses, when we attach a certain meaning to something. Let's use another example. Let's say that I say, you don't want to be my friend anymore because you don't want to spend time with me today. That's me making some meaning. You not wanting to spend time with me means you don't want to be my friend anymore. The managing meaning comes in when I start telling this story. Again, either to myself or out loud. Let's say I start communicating to others. This is what that means. Telling another friend that you don't want to be my friend anymore because you didn't want to spend time with me. Then the coordination part could look like many different things. But in this example, let's say it looks like me approaching you and saying, hey, why don't you want to be my friend? And you expressing that you actually do want to be my friend. And you just also really value your alone time and you need to recharge on your own after the big week you had before before you spend time with me because you want to be able to be your best self when we spend time together. And, you know, the fact that you didn't want to hang out means that you wanted to have alone time so that we could have better time together in the future. That's a long winded one. But, you know, in this way, we both express out loud what meaning we're attaching and we work together to come to better understand the meaning for us. And this one's actually a real example from my life. And that's really important to me because it was a really significant moment where I was actually able to, for the first time in a big way, detach myself from the meaning I made and choose a different understanding and perspective of the situation, you know, because I was really hurt when I thought this person not wanting to spend time together meant they didn't want to put energy into the relationship or didn't enjoy spending time with me. But I was hurt, you know, not necessarily by the act of not spending time together, but by that meaning I attached. So when I was able to express this hurt to the other person and hear their reasoning behind choosing alone time over me sometimes, then I was able to start reframing that situation and to understand that it was really less about me than I thought. And it really has benefited me in so many ways to have gone through that process because I've never been the best at asking for alone time or really paying attention to what I need socially. I think I'm kind of a, you know, I consider myself an extrovert, a very kind of go, go, go person. I like to be around people. But I know I also need alone time. Everybody does. So when this person was able to model for me what that looked like and 
you know, placing value on that or setting that as a kind of boundary. When I was able to see the value in sometimes choosing alone time, I was able to start doing it for myself too. You know, I was empowered to start asking for what I needed without worrying or trying to control what someone else might think it meant because I knew that what it meant was that I was prioritizing myself and taking care of myself and, you know, finding a balance between alone time and socializing, which again, everybody needs. But still, I, you know, I was able to communicate this hurts me. And this other person was able to communicate that, you know, that's not what they wanted out of that. That's not what that that was supposed to mean. And so we both are able to ask for our alone time now and also have found other ways to better ways to do that, you know, that help us understand the meaning. And so, for example, when I do ask for alone time or say, hey, I can't actually hang out today, I like to follow that up with suggesting another time to hang out, you know, or saying, but I'd like to see you later in the week or, you know, offering kind of an alternative so that the other person has, there is literally no room left for them to think that I don't want to spend time with them or I don't enjoy spending time with them. So that's just my own example. I don't know if you see yourself in any of that at all, but um, I hope that's helpful for trying to understand this concept a little better because that's the way that I've seen it play out in my life. Well, that brings us to the end of our conversation today, but we don't stop there. You know, we're always looking towards our next turn. So today, our next turn is to start bringing awareness to the ways you make meaning in your life. Start paying more attention to those things so that you can ask the question of, you know, does this really serve me? If you have more tangible ways of wanting to do this, you know, like writing it out, I think that's totally great. But even just doing this kind of thought work to start changing your glasses is a great first step. As I mentioned last week, I now have an email or you can message me so we can keep this dialogue going. So feel free to email me at storieslived.storiestold at gmail.com to share your experience of listening to this podcast. You know, any ideas you have about the things we discuss or if you have used anything we've learned or done the next turn or if you've been able to see any changes in your life from using your CMM glasses to see your social world. So again, that's storieslived.storiestold at gmail.com. I'd be so happy to hear from you. So thank you, fellow communicators, for showing up today. Thank you for being curious, and thank you for being a part of this conversation. I'm Abby, and this has been Stories Lived, Stories Told, and that's all for today.